This is Thomas Meadows, and you're tuned in to the first ever episode of the 94 Feet of Madness podcast. We're obviously, uh, I'm obviously here because the college basketball season is approaching. I couldn't be more excited about that. This should be your podcast if you are a college basketball fan, and especially a Kentucky fan, because I'll be talking extensively about Kentucky on every single episode. This year, even more so than probably usual, I'm, I'm just super pumped for the season. A big reason why I feel that way is just because of some of the really good early matchups we have in the month of November. Um, college basketball um, tips off um, on November the 6th on Monday. For example, Kentucky plays New Mexico State. You've got Georgia and Oregon. Um, you don't really have that many good games, though, that day. A bunch of teams tip off, start November 6th. That's kind of the, you know, the first official day of college basketball. But the date I really want to talk about is November 10th on um, Friday. I think that's like a the first like really good day of college basketball this season. You got some really good games that day. I'll go through them just real quick. The three that stand out to me: it's Arizona at Duke, Florida versus Florida at Virginia, um, and you got Tennessee and Wisconsin. Um, so those are those are three pretty good games. The one game that I'll talk about for that day is Arizona at Duke. Um, I cannot stress much, stress enough how much I, I like this. Um, seeing a true road game, seeing a out of conference game um, on someone's actual court is, I think, really good for college basketball. Um, credit to Arizona and Duke for agreeing to this home and home series. I think college basketball really could use more home and home series. Um, Arizona travels to Cameron. Um, this, this, I'm very excited about this game. I think it's very intriguing on um, many different levels. Um, the first thing that stands out to me is you got Caleb Love, who played at North Carolina. Obviously, hits. I think people forget hit one of the biggest shots in the history of college basketball, probably to defeat Duke in the Final Four. Uh, was really big in that game. Got hot, um, and then about a month before that, prior. Had a big-time performance. North Carolina defeated Duke in Cameron for Coach K's last home game ever as well. Duke obviously swept Carolina last year, but Caleb Love plays in North Carolina, transfers transfers away from Carolina, commits to Michigan. They all they have a bunch of strict rules when it comes to accepting transfers and stuff like that. So then he back, has to back out of that and ends up Arizona. So very interesting. He now is going back up against um, Duke. Um, in Arizona, just go ahead and talk about them. They, they've got so many new pieces, so many moving parts. I think they could be a, honestly, a Final Four caliber team if they can make the pieces fit. But that, that's a that's my question. But for them, I think they got a lot of question marks. You ob- obviously just talked about Caleb Love. They bring in several other key transfers. Jaden Bradley from Alabama. Um, you know, nice player. Nothing nothing special, but you know, a good player. Um, and then you bring in Kashad Johnson from San Diego State. Just came off a um, run, um, just went to the national championship game. Obviously, got beat by UConn. He's, you know, anytime you can add a player that has legit March Madness experience, I think that's valuable. So you know, he, he'll he'll slide in probably that four spot, good player. And you get Kylan Boswell back, who I think he was one of my um, five breakout players for this season. I think he could have a really good season. And then you kind of get you got Omar. Um, Ballo down low. I mean, he's that's a pretty good five right there. Um, you know, they, Arizona came off a um, loss to Princeton last year um, in the very first round. They they were a two seed, had a really good year, but had a disappointing ending. Had a lot of guys tra- guys transfer out, brought a lot of new guys in. I think the question is, can they um, get the pieces? Can they make the pieces fit? I think it's the question. That the talent is there, um, and then you know, of course. Stepping in and going to Cameron first game is not easy um, at all. So that's kind of their roster, um, kind of what I think, that those five will kind of start. You got Larson back, you can really shoot it. I think he'll kind of be that six-man, um, or at least the the five guys I just named, they'll get a bunch of minutes, I think. Um, going with Duke, um, Duke, they, they have so – John Shire has so many different lineups he can use – for this team, I mean, they could legit. I think they'll play probably about nine guys legit. Um, so much depth, so many different lineups. Um, I think that'd be um, John Shire's biggest thing with this Duke team is 
how's he managed lineups? How, how does he manage you know minutes for each player? I think that's really big. Duke is, I believe, was uh, one of four teams in Division One, all of Division One, to lose zero guys to the transfer portal. That's honestly pretty incredible in this day and age in college basketball. You lose zero guys to the transfer portal. You get some really key guys to come back, and you bring in a bunch of um, high touted five stars i mean that's kind of the perfect roster for this day and age college basketball you get a potential first round pick and kyle filipowski to come back he'll be a first team all-american by pretty much everybody um national player year type guy i think i think a huge season for him i think he's healthy now had some um you know i think he's healthy um hip surgery and stuff like that i think he'll be ready to go i think he'll be one of the best players in the country get tyrese proctor back he's a he's a breakout guy for me as well um, really, really um, like this roster. The question is, how does he manage lineups? Does he play Kyle Filipowski at the five? Does he play him at the four? I think Duke's going to be by far the best when Kyle Filipowski's at the um, five. I really do. I think I think Duke ultimately, at least for the most majority of the minutes, it will be a Caleb. Um, it will be a Jeremy Roach, Jared McCain, um, Tyrese Proctor, Mark Mitchell, and Filipowski. I think that's kind of the safe five for them. I really like Caleb Foster, though. So I, I think that's, again, does, does, does John Shire decide to play Caleb Foster, um, start to give him more minutes than some of those some of those guys that may be technically ahead of him? I don't know, but if Caleb Foster is your fourth best guard and you're in pretty good shape in the backcourt, Mark Mitchell, I think, will have a really good season. He'll probably play that four majority of the time. I actually really like Ryan Young, but I like him as a backup five, not a starter or anything like that. I like him as a backup five. Um, I mean, heck, you got guys like Jaden Shute, you got guys like Jalen Blakes. I mean, Duke is just has so much depth in the backcourt. Got TJ Power. Um, I think he'll play a decent amount. Sean Stewart is probably going to be like the seventh man on this team. He's really, really good. So Duke is going to be um, pretty good. I think when you look at this matchup, um, I really like this matchup. Because you probably, like I said, you got three guards going up against three guards. You probably got. Um, Colin Boswell, Jaden Bradley, and Caleb Love against uh, probably McCain, Roach, Tyrese Proctor. Um, again, Foster will play. They'll play a lot of three guards. Going to be get going up against each other. Kashad Johnson against Mark Mitchell. I mean, you you you've got some good matchups. It's going to be a really good game. You, you know, really pumped for this game. Um, and then um, Duke travels. I'll talk a bunch about the Champions Classic, but you know, Duke travels. Um, four days later on November 14th, the place has to play Michigan State in the Champions Class. So I'm interested to see that. Um, Duke will be very high in my preseason top 25 I'll release here in a minute. But I think um, it'll be interesting. If Duke can win both of these games, to be honest, we'll, we know, we'll know that they're they're for real. They're for real. So don't be interesting. Don't be fun to watch. I mean, you got to pick Duke to win that game. It's in camera. I think Duke has the better roster. Arizona is really good. I just I have questions about how will the pieces fit. Um, for Arizona, um, so you know it's gonna be inter- it's gonna be a super fun game. You got Florida and UVA, like I mentioned. You got Tennessee and Wisconsin. I'm not gonna really get too uh, much in depth with those two games. Just we have so many good you know good matchups um, in the month of November. You know to kick the season kind of off. Okay, um, moving on. Like I said, Champions Classic. I'll talk a bunch about this on November 14th. You got Michigan State versus Duke. And yet Kansas versus Kentucky. I mean, I, I I get so hyped for the Champions Classic every year. It's kind of the kickoff of college basketball. Um, so I'm, I'm I'm super pumped for this. I think I think this will be four like really good teams. I think this will be the best Champions Classic we have right in several years, to be honest with you. So we got Michigan State going up against Duke in that first game. I I really like Michigan State's roster. Um, they basically return every single player other than Joey Hauser, um, and they bring in a top three recruiting class. That's kind of the, honestly, the perfect Tom Izzo type team. Um, no, I'm fired up to play this game. Um, you know, you got Tyson Walker, AJ Hogard, really good backcourt. Jaden Atkins, you got Malik Hall, Xavier Booker. I think's really, really gonna be a good player for them. They got some pretty good depth too. Honestly, just Garrett Norman. I've seen him play some. In high school, I think he'll be really good. You got Jeremy Fierce, Cohen. I could go on Cohen Carr. So that'll be that'll be a um, fun fun game. Another thing too, before I forget to mention, I saw Michigan State play Tennessee in their exhibition games, 
and those exhibition games were really good. Them in Tennessee, Kansas, Illinois. The only my only complaint is I kind of wish those would have been the start of the college basketball season because selfishly because those were such good games, um, so much fun to watch. Michigan State actually um, was trailing like by 15, 20, probably in that range right off the bat. Um, they fought back. It's an exhibition game though. Not gonna put too much stock into it, but um, really good. I think Michigan State is maybe getting a tad bit overhyped, though, by some people. You know, they went to the Sweet 16, credit them, but they were, um, you know, in that 9-10 to 10 seed range um, in March last year. So, you know, over the, over the course of the entire season, they were, like, you know, you know, a top, you know, 35-ish probably team last year through the entire course. They had a really good, really good March in the Sweet 16. They returned everyone but Joey Hauser, so – I expect them to be really good, but, you know, their roster's not anywhere close to Duke's, if I'm being honest. I mean, Duke's roster, in my opinion, is a good bit better. I think this will be a really good game. I think something that's um, kind of key, I mean, if they play Xavier Booker at the five and Phil Palsy's at the five, that that's a tough matchup for Xavier, a freshman like Xavier Booker. I mean, and I think Duke's guards are a good bit better, to be honest. I think Michigan State is really good death, but Duke does too. It's, it's only a good matchup. Um, I like Duke to win this game, though. Like I said, I think Tyrese Proctor and Kyle Filipowski will probably be the two best players on the court in this game. Um think big game from Flip, you can expect that. Um, I, I like um, Tyson Walker and A.J. Hogard a lot, though. Um, it, it will be pretty good, pretty fun. Um, Duke coming off to the Arizona games, I don't know. Um, Duke having played Arizona right before this could have an impact on this game, early game like this, obviously. But um, super pumped and excited um, about that. Moving on to um, Kentucky and Kansas. Wow. This will be a super fun game. I think Kansas, um, you know, I may not have them where everyone else has them. My top 25 coming up, I do have some some concerns about them, lack of depth, lack of, lack of shooting, to be honest. Really good roster. They'll be high on my list. Bill Self is, in my opinion, the best coach in the country. You bring, you know, you bring in Hunter Dickinson, really, really good player. He does have his flaws, and we'll talk about that coming up, but – you got KJ Adams coming back. You got Dewan Harris coming back. Um, Kevin McCooler, who was spectacular in the exhibition game, I think a big time season for him. Bringing El Marco Jackson. You get Nick Timberlake from Townsend. Really good roster, but those are about all the guys I just mentioned that are you know, you know, legit guys. I mean, you'll play um, uh, Brown off the bench, big man. Um, older brother of actually Christian Brown, but you know how how good is he? I don't know Johnny Furfa. I don't know how good he'll be. Transfer international. I, I mean, I can't lie to you. I don't know how good he'll be. I don't think anyone does. So they've got probably six legit guys, and that's it right now. Um, this matchup against Kentucky. Um, Kentucky is going to be missing three bigs, potentially. Uh, Big Z, uh, Aaron Bradshaw, and you got on Yenso. So with Hunter Dickinson down low, that they, they'll obviously have a huge – um, mismatch in their favor probably because Kentucky will be forced to play Trey Mitchell at the five, which I think he's a legit four. Um, I don't think he's a five at all. That's just my opinion. We'll see. I think he can play play the five um, and do offensively, but I think defensively it could be a little bit of a struggle. Um, so um, get um, Kentucky. Um, I think in this game, like I said, they got three big men out, three of the seven footers. I think they'll be forced to play Trey Mitchell and then Aaron Bradshaw at the four. Aduthiero will probably start, it's my gut, and then they'll probably play Antonio Reeves with DJ Rat Wagner um, starting. Like I just mentioned, Kentucky's out three guys up front. It'll force them to play small, which I do think could be in Kentucky's advantage some. Hunter Dickinson is um, kindly not a very good defender, struggles to guard people in space. Um, I'll be interested to see. I, I think if you're Kentucky, you've got to put Hunter Dickinson in every ball screen possible. I think the best defense on him is to make him play defense in this game. Make him guard Trey Mitchell out um, on the perimeter. Make him, you know, put him in ball screens with DJ Wagner and Rob Dillingham who comes off the bench. I'll talk, to, talk about him a good bit coming up. You know, use him in ball screens. Make him play defense. Um so that will be interesting. How does Kansas um, 
you know, how, what adjustments Bill Self. I know he'll make some really good adjustments. That That's one thing that stands out to me. Another thing that stands out to me is you got Nick Townsend, um, Nick Timberlake, excuse me, from Townsend. You know, how does he – I know he's a good shooter, but how does he play in this game? You know, like, you know, Kentucky's got some freak, freakishly athletic guards. And, you know, I can see a guy like that struggling a little bit in this game. I know he, he's getting a lot of love right now. I think he can really shoot it. But – you know, this is a different type of – Kentucky's got some different type of dudes, um, especially at the guard position. We factor in Antonio Reeves and D.J. Wagner and Reed Shepard and Rob Dillingham. I mean, they're, they're loaded in the backcourt. So, I'm, I'm interested to see how does he um, – you know, how, where does – how does he look in this game? I don't – I can't promise that. Um, K.J. Adams, tweener between a four and a five. I'm not quite as high on him as, mo- as um, a lot of people are, to be honest. So this matchup will be interesting. Um, typically, actually speaking, the young teams typically play well in Champions Classic. Um, I think there's a there's just something to be said. A young team's gonna get super hot for this game, where you got an experienced team, experienced guys. You know, they're kind of looking at big picture. They're not gonna get, you know, a guy like Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCooler and some of these other guys, Dewan Harris. Um, especially a guy like Dewan Harris, he's won national championship. He he's gonna get hyped for this game, but not like some of these. They're not. He's not gonna be jacked up like some of these young guys. So I think these young, you know, these young teams, they really play well in the Champions Classic. But I think these young guys really get hyped for this game. So it'll be, it'll be. Um, I think Kentucky will come out ready to go. Um, you know, how does Calipari manage it? You know, did, you know, you got. Rob Dillingham, DJ Wagner, Antonio Reeves, Reed Shepard. I think Reed Shepard needs a lot of minutes. Um, but you can't play all of them at the same time. I think Kentucky's really going to be best when Rob Dillingham has the ball in his hands. Um, but you're probably not sitting DJ Wagner a lot. So it's going to be interesting. How does he manage that? Um, Adu Thierro, I think, is going to have a big-time season. You've got to play him a good bit. So how's he man- really, how does Calipari manage the lineups in this game? Does, can Big Z go for this game? I, I mean, I'd be kind of surprised if Ed and Aaron Bradshaw can play. I, I mean, I wouldn't expect him to be able to play. Can Big Z play? Um, Seven-foot um, transfer they got, um, Kentucky got um, internationally. If he, Can he play? Can he come in? And if he can play just for a few minutes, provide some rim protection, um, maybe match up and give a few minutes against Hunter Dixon, that would be massive. I mean, massive. So, um it's only, don't be interesting. I, you know, you have to pick Kansas to win this game, I think, because of Kentucky's health, um, them, missing so, them being so low um, in the front court. You know, they just, Kansas just has a huge size advantage um, against us. So it's only interesting to see. Um, yeah, I think you got to give Kansas the edge. I think they will put up a good fight. I think they match up. I would say, you know, they match up well if they were healthy, but they're just not. I think Justin Edwards, DJ Wagner, I'm, I'm kind of concerned about those two guys. Um, believe it or not, I'm super high on Rob Dillingham, Reed Shepard. Um, Antonio Reeves and Trey Mitchell have to play well for Kentucky if they want to be, um, be good this season. So, fun night with them, Champions Classic. Um, look forward, look, really look forward to that. So, moving on, let's um, – I'm going to go ahead and talk about Kentucky right now. So, like I said, I'm a college basketball guy, but I am a huge Kentucky guy. We'll be talking about Kentucky on every single podcast. So, moving on to Kentucky. I think I see people projecting records for Kentucky this season. What are the expectations, all of this and that? The one thing, right before I do any predictions or expectations, I do think you have to take into account what – how did other Kentucky teams do from a record-wise standpoint? You know, you look at 2019-20 season. It was the COVID year. They went 25-6. and six. If people are forgetting that, Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, Ashton Hagens, Nick Richards was had a monster year. I, I like guys like Nate Sestina. I mean, that was a really good team. They went 25-6. and six. 2018-19 year, that was Tyler Hero, P.J. Washington, all those guys. They went 30-7. and seven with their um, tournament loss to Auburn in the lead eight. Um, that was actually Kentucky's last second weekend um, game. Yeah, was their loss to Auburn. So that was a really good team. They went 30-7. and 2016-17, Kentucky were at, was absolutely legit. Um, they went 32-6. and six. It was De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Ben Adebayo. 
um, got beat to UNC, who won the national championship. Um, not to go, not to go too much into that game, but Kentucky had a brutal draw and got beaten in the lead eight. They went thirty-two and six. So you know, you got six twenty sixteen seventeen went thirty-two and six. Twenty eighteen nineteen team went thirty and seven in the twenty nineteen twenty, which is the COVID year. Um, they didn't have the SEC term or NCAA term or the NCAA tournament, so they probably would have lost a game or two. But they went twenty five and six before that. So, I think it's very, you know, you look at those, you know, those teams. Um, you know, you got to project this Kentucky team to lose though at least six, seven games for sure. Um, just based off that, in my opinion, uh, especially when you factor in three bigs, right? I, I, I um, um, you gotta think they'll take some, take an L or two, just based off health alone. Um, so in Kentucky, SEC is is gonna be, is gonna be tough. So really tough schedule. I expect Kentucky to be really, really good. I'll get into their schedule here in a few, you know few moments. Um, but again, brutal schedule, beat up, super young. Uh, you only got two guys to return off last year's team, two legit guys, and, and Antonio Reeves and a dude, Fierro. And a dude didn't really play a ton last year, for being honest. You bring in a transfer and Trey Mitchell. But, you know, the Kentucky, this Kentucky team does not have a lot of continuity. You know, you get, you know, you had a couple of transfers last minute. You know, Bob Huggins gets in a bunch of trouble. That's the only reason why Kentucky ended up trading Mitchell, to be honest. So, you got – you just don't have a lot of continuity. It's a really young team. Um, you know, you just don't take some time to gel these pieces together. So, I think predict, projecting like five or less losses is, is to be honest, is just silly. Hopefully I'm wrong, though. But, you know, in 30 and 7, uh, you know, you lose seven games, you're, you're a two-seed in March. That would be great if they can lose seven, 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 you know, six to eight losses would be great. So, um, I think expectations-wise for Kentucky, it needs to be getting to the second weekend. It needs to be, you know, you don't need to come third or fourth in the SEC. Um, you need to win at least a regular season or conference tournament. I mean, it needs to be a really good year. This is a make-or-break year for John Calipari. Um, really big season. I think they'll be really good. I just think got to calm down a little bit as far as projecting this team to, you know, if anybody's projecting this team to lose five games or less, I mean, that's just, that's just ridiculous. Um, they're they're going to take some lumps. You know, that's where I kind of where I stand on that. I think this will be the most entertaining team by far Kentucky's had since the 2016-17 team I just mentioned. Um, I think this should be Kentucky's best team as far as in transition since 16-17. I think this team should be lethal in transition. I mean, you've got – at all times, basically, on the court. You've got two to three guys you have to feel comfortable in pushing the ball up the court. I mean, super athlete, DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham. Those are two guys that can fly up the court. Justin Edwards is great at cutting, slashing. You've got, you'll have multiple guys who are really good at catch and shoot. Um, Reed Shepard and, and, and Tony Reese. I think Reed Shepard can bring the ball up the court and transition a lot. Those, those guys can really push the ball. They're very athletic. You'll even have a couple of lob threats when healthy. Uh, not Willie Colley Stein lob threat level, but like an Aaron Bradshaw, you know, Big Z seven foot two. He can't help but be a lob threat to a certain degree. So transition wise, they should be able to get out and go. They should be, you know, really, really good when, when it comes to um in that area, I think. So, um looking at that, I think um Rob Dillingham could actually be the best player in this team, honestly. The way he, he's been looking lately, just exhibition games, stuff like that. He, he's gotten a lot better um, since Canada. He put on about, you know, 30 pounds. Um, really got in the gym, got better. Wanted to give him a shout-out um, real quick. As far as, you know, Kentucky, they haven't been kind of, you know, Kentucky good as of, as of late. Um, you know, you had COVID year, which was tough, was, which was a really tough break. Um, so that team was really, really good. Um, I just mentioned that. Um, you go nine wins, um, I believe, the year after. You get beat to St. Peter's, which that Kentucky team was pretty good. They were a two-seed, but they got beat by St. Peter's. Um, and then you last year you lose in the round at 32, um, and you were a six-seed. So that's not really Kentucky-level good. And I know people talk about COVID and how that team could win all, but everyone else had to deal with COVID as well. So that that's kind of where I'm at. They need, you know, they need to have a really good season. Um, I think they will. I think they'll have a really, really good season. Second weekend, 
um, should be the expectations for this team. Um, I think full on. Um, I think a top three seed in March, um, you know, would be would be more than reasonable uh, with this team. SEC is pretty, you know, S- I'll get in the schedule here in a few seconds, but the SEC is going to be really, really good. Um, Tennessee, you know, I'm not typically as high on Tennessee as some people because their, their, their success in March just hasn't been great. But you got Arkansas, I think would be really good. Got Alabama, you got Auburn. Florida's a sneaky team by a lot of people's. So SEC's gonna be really good. Um, so we'll see. It's it's gonna be interesting to see um, you know, how does this Kentucky team do? Going through the schedule, non conference wise, that Kentucky opens up against New Mexico State on Monday. Um, I'm very interested to see that how they you know, they should win that game obviously, but how do they actually look? Um, one more one more exhibition game under their belt before that. Um they play Kansas Champions Classic. Just talked about that. They play North Carolina um, in Atlanta. Um, they play Miami in Rupp. And they play Gonzaga in conference schedule uh, later on the season. So those four games are, you know, really fun, entertaining. I think North Carolina is kind of the most toss-up one, in my opinion. Um, super excited about that. You know, when I look at Kentucky, Carolina, um, I wish they really would go back to home and home series. I've talked, you know, talked about the home and home series thing already, but you know, such a fun series. I mean, look at 2011. Just go back, you know, on some some of these past matchups. In 2011, they beat um, Kentucky, beat North Carolina um, to move on to the Final Four. I mean, that was an incredible game. North Carolina was absolutely loaded. Kentucky uh, was actually a four seed. Carolina was a two seed. Um, that was an epic game. DeAndre Ligans actually hit a shot at the end of that game. Go to 2012, Kentucky. Anthony Davis has the game-winning block against John Henson. Um, Kentucky, um, Kentucky wins that game by, like, one point. Game-winning block by Anthony Davis. Rupp was electric. Um, those were probably the two best teams in the country that year. Um, Kendall Marshall got hurt in the round of 32 that year. Um, but th- those were that was an epic game. I think of 2016-17 where Malik Mott went up for, like, 47 points in Vegas. Um Really good game. They obviously had the rematch in Elite Eight. Carolina, you know, won that. Not to get too much into that, but um, on the game-winning shot. And then um, look at that. Last couple times haven't been, you know, quite as good. You know, Kentucky two years ago beat them up pretty good. Um, But like I said, so many epic matchups that series. I'm I'm excited about that. Um, Really good. So I'm going to pull Kentucky's schedule out real quick. And when I look at this and when I, you know, when you look and you're projecting, Kentucky's going to be a favorite in basically all these games. But in college basketball, you always lose games you're not supposed to. So when I look at this, you know, the schedule, um, I obviously talked about the four um, non-conference games. They play Louisville on December 21st. I mean, you know, you got to think Kentucky's going to win that by about 50. I mean, Louisville's a mess. Not to get too uh, – Go too much into that, but they're a mess. You know, Kentucky opens up SEC play with Florida. That will not be easy game. It's at Florida, not easy game at all. Um, they play Missouri next home. Luckily, um, just looking at that, looking through some of these games, they play A and M, then Mississippi State um, and Rupp. They play Georgia Rupp. I expect them to win that. Um, going through, play at Arkansas on January twenty seventh, and the Florida home. Then they'll play Tennessee home. That's a tough three-game stretch. Um, but like I talked about, there's only games you lose that you shouldn't. At Vanderbilt, to me, is a trap game for, for Kentucky. I mean, you, you got Tennessee home on a Saturday. Then you play at Bandy on a Tuesday. And then you play Gonzaga on a Saturday. I mean, Kentucky's only – I mean, that's a team Kentucky potentially could overlook, to be honest, and get beat. So you got trap games like that throughout the season. You're not going to win every game you should. Um Every pretty much every team at, um, at Kentucky. I mean, every school they they lose games you're not supposed to. It's fine. It's okay. It's a young team. They don't get buried up March. That's my point. You know, you play Ole Miss home. I think after that they should win that. And they play at Auburn. At Auburn won't be won't be easy. Um, you know, you play at LSU. Then you play Alabama home at Mississippi State. It's a trap type game, in my opinion, as well. Um, you got them before Arkansas. You got them at. at after Alabama, trap games. You got several trap games throughout right there. Um, you know, so I think that's what I'm saying. I think 
four difficult non-conference games. You got really tough in um, conference because SEC is only really, really good. So that's kind of where I'm at with this team. It's, it's, it's hard to give really good predictions on this team just because they're so young, so many um, incoming guys. Um, I think Trey Mitchell, I think Antonio Reese. Trey Mitchell may be the most underrated player on this team, um, to be honest with you right now. Um, I think him and Tony Reese have to play well, have to play well. Um, so for this team to really get to where they want to get to, um, going over, I'm going to go over, I'll, I'll come back to Kentucky some, um, later on, but I talked about breakout guys. I'll mention those real quick. I got Dylan Mitchell from Texas, Kylan Boswell from Arizona, Tyrese Proctor from Duke and a Dean Bona from UCLA. So those are kind of my breakout guys for this season. Those are guys I think I expect to take a big jump. As far as my All-American list, preseason All-American list, you know, uh, you got to have that, I guess. But I've got um, Hunter Dickinson, Kyle Filipowski. This one may surprise some people. i got Donovan Klingon, Zach Eady, and i got the best point guard in America, Tyler Kulik. That's my, all, that's my preseason All-American team. I know a lot of people don't have Donovan Klingon, um, in their first team, but I, I'm all in on um, the Donovan Klingon stock. I think of it monster year. So that, that's that's my five all American uh, first team all American guys. Left off some really good guys. You could honestly put um, your first and second team. You could have like eight of the ten guys all big men. To be honest, that, you know I guess it's the year of the big men. Um, you got so many good big men um, in college basketball uh, this season. There's four or five legit guys who can win national player year, and they're all big men. So um, you know. That's my All-American list um, right there for you. Um, be interested to see. Um, Zach Eady won it last year. He returns, and I feel like no one's hardly even talking about, about him, to be honest, or he's not even talked about like he should. I think Hunter Dickens is getting a little overhyped. Um, that's just my opinion. I think Donovan Klingon's getting slept on um, way too much. Um, so that's my, that's my um, preseason All-American team. Just one of my breakout guys. I'm going to go in right now, and I'm going to do my preseason top 25. I'm not going to talk about every single team. Um, but uh, we'll go, I'll go through my preseason top 25 and talk about most of them um, at least. So coming in, I'm going to go ahead and start at one. Coming in at number one on my um, preseason top 25, I got Duke. That's going to surprise some people. A lot of people have Kansas at one, but I got Duke. I talked enough about them. Um, they got a, you know. Not an easy schedule. ACC is not great, but not easy schedule. Um, so Duke got number one for me. Number two, this may surprise me, but I've got the Purdue Buller, uh, Purdue Buller Makers at number two. Um, I think Purdue's getting slept on a little bit. I know they haven't had the March success that they want, but they were literally a number one seed last year, and they returned everybody. They were the best team for 70% probably of college basketball season last year, and they returned everybody. Um, I think honestly, if um, no disrespect, but if Lawyer and, and Smith, if they don't turn, cough the ball up, they probably get to the Final Four last year. Um, I mean, they, they with that draw, they I think Foster. Um, I mean, I think Lawyer and Smith had ten turnovers in that game. The Fairly Dickinson, um, honestly, if the guards didn't cough the ball up, and if they took care of the ball, they probably win that game fairly easy and you know you look at the draw they would have had they probably get to final four last year so they were a one seed last year they return everybody they have to be a top four team for you this season um i think anything else is silly so number three you are not a blue blood but i do have the yukon huskies at number three um i do not think you're a blue blood but you are ranked number three according to 94 feet of madness so um i think yukon's roster is absolutely um getting slept on i think it's loaded to be honest you get tristan newton back who, who emerged in uh, march last year you get alex carabin back he'll start at that four and you get Donovan Klingon back who i'm telling you right now it's going to be a monster this season i mean watch out he, he's going to be a beast he could be a top five pick in the next year's draft that's how good he's going to be in my opinion this year you get stefan castle everyone's talking about him as a potential one and done lottery pick I mean, and then you get Ken Spencer, um, the transfer. And so I, I just I don't understand the disrespect toward UConn, to be honest with you. They they win the national championship last year. They beat everyone by double digits, essentially. I just think that's a 
no question, top five roster, and they're picked third in the Big East. Are you kidding me? So I, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand it one bit. Uh, I think these pieces fit together perfectly. I am, not to get too ahead of myself, but I'm super excited for their matchup against Kansas, I believe, on December 1st. Um, that will be fun. Um, I think UConn has a better roster than Kansas. I do. I, I really do. I, I think that is a really good lineup. Carabin is going to be really good at that four position beside Klingon. Are you kidding me? You can't, you can't get much better than that. Cam Spencer, um, you know, everything here, he's going to really be able to shoot it. Watch some tape on him from last year. I think he'll build, you know, at least be a shooter. That's all he has to be. That's all he has to do in this team. Um, if he can just be a catch and shoot guy, um, create some space for those other guys, that's really all he's going to have to do. Uh, Stephon Castle's getting a lot of love. Um, Tristan Noon continues to play well at point guard. Um, if he gives them good um, point guard play, I, I think this UConn team, you know, could be deadly. Um, really interested to see that coming off and winning the national championship. But, you know, you know, I think this is. What does um, Dan Hurley do this year coming off the national championship? Can he, you know, get some sustained success? And can they have a deep run in March and have a really good year? We'll see. Number four, I got Kansas. Most people have Kansas at number one. I have them at four. Not nearly as high as them on, as other people. I talked about that. They're only going to play probably legit six guys. Lack of shooting. Nick Timberlake, he's come from Townsend. I've got to see him play real games first before I lock him in as a, you know, big-time player. Um, he's coming from Townsend. It'll be an adjustment. Um, Marco Jackson, uh, probably not a great shooter. Kevin McCuller. I mean, Kevin McCuller and Hunter Dickinson are two best shooters probably right now. Dewan Harris can't shoot. They don't have depth. Um, so I think they just have a little bit too many question marks to be ranked number one, in my opinion. Um, th so that's why I have UConn ahead of them. I think UConn, um, people will probably see this and be like, well, why is UConn ahead of them? I think Tristan Newton, Dewan Harris – Dwayne Harris may be better, not much better. Um, El Marco Jackson may start for Kansas. I'm taking Stephon Castle all day long over El Marco Jackson. Um, Kevin McCuller, um, Ken Spencer, Kevin McCuller is probably better there, but I'm taking, um, I'm taking Alex Keller, um, excuse me, uh, um, Carabin all day long over KJ Adams. I think Donovan Klingon, this may be a hot take. I think he, you have a better chance of winning a national championship with Donovan Klingon as your center over Hunter Dickinson. I think his rim protection, I think what he does defensively, is it, just so valuable. I mean, he altered every shot. Um, and he offered, altered or blocked about every shot in, um, in March Madness last year. I mean, it was, it was incredible. Um, his rim protection, his defense is just so far superior to Hunter Dickinson. I think – him having to play behind Adama Sonogo last year, I think you didn't. He didn't get to show off his full skill set. I think there's a lot he can. Um, there's a lot he's gonna show off. I think. I think I would take Domin Klingon over Hunter Dickinson um, if I'm looking to win national championships. I think UConn's got a better roster than them. Um, I got number five. I got Michigan State. Um, I'm just. I'm not overwhelmed by the roster, but it is Tom Izzo. They returned everyone but Joey Hauser, and they went to the Sweet 16 last year. They bring in a top three recruiting class. So I think that alone puts him at that five range, to be honest. Um, um, you, give, you give Tom Izzo that talent, I think they'll be really, really good. Um, tough schedule. Not an easy schedule. Tom Izzo um, is always going to schedule a um, difficult schedule, though. You, can, you, you know with Tom Izzo. Um, number six, I've got Marquette. I mentioned that Tyler Kulik is the best point guard in the country. Um, you got Cam Jones. They were two seed last year. Um, Tyler Kulik's not going to make excuses, but his hand was probably um, bothering him a little bit more than what he'll say. Um, they got beat, they actually got beat by Michigan State in the second round last year, but I, I think getting Kulik back, getting a few good pieces back, getting a, getting a couple of good, you know, um, incomers, new incomers, I think, I think Marquette's safely, you know, um, top ten team. So I got them at number six. Number seven, my third Big East team in the top seven, I got Creighton at number seven. Um, Baylor Shireman, Cogglebrenner, um, I think they would have been top three team that they kept Nimhard for me. Um, him transferring out to Gonzaga um, really hurt, so I'll be honest. I mean, they brought in um, Stephen Ashworth, but, um, you know, really good team. I got him at number seven, so really, really good. But, you know, I, I just think – Author Kaluma too. You lose them hard. Could have been a lot higher, but still got the number seven. I think Baylor, Shire, and are, you 
you know, really, really good. Um, number eight, I've got Houston at number eight. I think AP poll-wise are around that eight range, too. Um, I got them at number eight. Um, Shed and LJ Cryer is going to be about as good as backcourt as you're going to get. Um, Kelvin Sampson, one of the top coaches in the country, real tough, real hard-nosed. Got them at number eight. Number nine is going to come as a little bit of a surprise. I guess I'm a little bit biased, but I got Kentucky at number nine. I just think Kentucky's guard play is so good. I mean, I'm a all-in believer on their guard play. I think they will be – they'll peak at the right time. They'll be really good in March, like a vintage John Calipari team. Um, good guard play. Guard play wins in March. That's what I hear all the time. Look, Dougie's got good guard play. Um, Aaron Bradshaw, I think he's going to be really good when he gets healthy. He's just got to get healthy. Um, he's got to play, obviously, to be effective. So, if Big Z can give any good minutes and if – Aaron Brash can get healthy. They should, they, this Kentucky team should be really, really good. Um, kind of a vintage John Calipari team. It's going to be a super fun team to watch. I, I'm pumped um, to watch this Kentucky team. At, at the worst, they're going to be at least entertaining. I mean, they're going to be really, really good. Um, again, you know, DJ Wagner, Rob Dillingham, I understand the criticism. They both need the ball in their hands. But if Calipari can manage that, um, he's pretty good at managing talent, I would say. So if, if they can manage that a little bit, and Tony Reeves don't want the ball, if they can manage that and get the pieces pieces to gel together somewhat good, you know, they could be really, really good. So I got Kentucky at 9. I got Tennessee at 10. A lot of people will probably criticize me for that. I just trust this Kentucky team a little bit more in March, to be honest. Um, and I know it's crazy because he's a younger team, but Tennessee – Always underachieve in March. That's just that's just the reality. Um, they always underachieve in March. Um, the, you know, I love Dalton Connect. I think Dalton Connect's gonna be really really good. He had this crazy dunk, this crazy poster in the exhibition game against Michigan State. Can really shoot it. You get Zakai Ziegler back. You get um, Santiago Vescovi back. Santiago's got grandkids. I feel like that's about to be playing college basketball. How old he is? So they're an old team. Just I Jordan James, old. I mean, and they got a couple of good guys, new coming, um, you know, freshmen. I like Jonas Hadou would be pretty good. You know, I don't know JP Estrella. How much does he play? Um, Cade Phillips. He probably won't play a ton, but really good team. Like I said, really old. Zakai Ziegler, Santiago Vescovi. Don Connect, Josiah Jordan James, Jones to do probably their starting lineup. That's really good, Re- you know, really old. Um, but again, they they typically do underachieve in March. And when you're getting a team like that, that that's that's that old, I, they can run into a team that is more talented than them, um, way more talented than them um, in March. In my opinion, I just um, really good. Their style is honestly part of the reason why. I, I put them at number 10. They could be a little higher. I got Arizona at 11. I talked to them at the very beginning of this episode. I think Arizona's really talented. The question is, will the pieces fit? I mean, Caleb Love, North Carolina only made the tournament last year. Caleb Love was seen as a lot, seen as a problem last year. Um, you know, shot the ball all the time. Did, did, you know, I think he'll be playing off the ball, which should give Arizona fans some hope. I think Colin Boswell, Jaden Bradley will be on ball um, a lot. Um, so that, that will help. Um, but yeah, if they can get the pieces together, Arizona could make a final four run. If they get the pieces to fit. There's no doubt about it. I have question marks though about how they get the pieces to fit. Arkansas got number at number twelve. It just seems like under Eric Musselman, Arkansas always actually overachieves in March. I mean, just consistently. Um they got a lot of new pieces. It's just hard to judge them. Battle, the Devo Davis, they got um Houston transfer, Trey Mark. Trevor Brazil um, coming off um, ACL. How how does he look this year? Um, you got Mitchell down low. I think he'll be really. Actually, think he could be really good. So they got a really good lineup. Kind of hard to judge them with the new new moving pieces, but I really like them. Um, number thirteen may surprise some people. This may be my breakout team of the year, and that's Texas. I just think Texas lineup is just too good. Um, Tyrese Hunter, Max A. Smith from Oral Roberts, Dylan Mitchell, Dylan DeSue, Caden Shadrick. I mean, that is a really good five-five lineup. Um, it'll be interesting with Texas, though. I mean, um, you know, new coach, pretty much. Um, you know, really good lineup. 
lineup played in the Big 12 Tough Conference. Um, so I got them sliding in at number 13. Um, number 14, I got Gonzaga. Um, a lot of people probably have them higher. I'm just not as high on this roster. They got Nimhart I really, really like. You got Nolan Hickman, yeah, still Venters, Anton Watson, Graham Ike. That's just a very average roster, in my opinion. Very average. Um, Dusty Stromer was a top 50-ish type guy. Um, how much does he even play? I don't know. Uh, Ryan Nimhart I love. Graham Ike I really like. But the rest of their guys are very average, just to be honest with you. Um, but, again, with their conference, with their schedule, you know you know they're probably going to be a top four seed. That's just the reality of it. So they come in at 14 for me. Number 15, I get UNC. UNC could be higher, to be honest. Um, don't make the tournament last year. First preseason, number one number one overall team to not make the tournament was last season. They got Elliot Cadeau, Cormac, um, Cormac um, Ryan. Um, you got Baycott. You got Harrison Ingram. You got R.J. Davis back. So the pieces, I think, could really fit, um, could really fit a lot better this year. I will, I will say that um, it'd be interesting. Um, you know, how does Elliot Cadeau, R.J. Davis, I think they'll be not the, you know, kindly say it, bad defensively. Um, those two guys, I just don't see them being great defensively. But, you know, Elliot Cadeau can buy into that pass first point guard role. You got R.J. Davis. You got catch and shoot guy in Cormac Ryan. Harrison Ingram's a really solid player from Stanford. And you got Baycott, who's an All-American um, type candidate down low. So, huge, huge year for North Carolina. This, out of every team, I think North Carolina may be Kentucky as far as just uh, just for how big this season is, how this season is huge for Hubert Davis. He's on the hot seat. Um, if they don't make the tournament this year, he, he's definitely done, um, I think. So, pieces work pretty good. Um, you know, it'd be interesting. RJ Davis could have a huge year. I'm not typically big on reclass guys, um, especially at the point guard spot, but he's old for his age. Elliot Cadeau, so, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, how well does Elliot Cadeau play for this Carolina team? Uh, it's going to be big. I think he's going to be really big for him. Texas A.M. at 16. They got the preseason SEC player of the year, Wade Taylor, Tyrese Ratford. Um, they got Carter, that Coleman, they got Marble. Um, pretty good roster. Almost like Tennessee, but maybe a little worse, I think, you know, you kind of know what they are, the whole experience they are coming into the season. They're not going to get just a ton better throughout the season, though. Um, still got them slotted in at number 16, though. Uh, that's pretty high. Like I said, really good team, really good roster. Uh, they'll be like last year, a little bit better. Um, got them at number 16. I got number 17. I got Miami, the NIL school, I guess you could call them. Nigel Pack. Um, got Omir down low. You got Matthew Cleveland, those are kind of the three main guys. I think they lost a lot of big guys, though, um, big pieces from last season. I think Nigel Pack and will have a really good season. I got them at number 17. Number 18 is going to probably cause a lot of stir. I got FAU at 18. A lot of people have them closer to probably 8 than 18. Um, but, again, I can't stress this enough. Do not overrank teams based off just a few games they did they had in March. Okay, if Memphis doesn't throw the ball away with 15 seconds left, FAU gets beaten in the first round. Uh, they barely sneak past that. Fairleigh Dickinson beats Purdue. They get a good path, and they, they go on to the Final Four. Um, great run. They deserve credit, and they, they're coming at number 18 for me. I think that's more than fair. I got them ranked high. They're going to be really good this season. But over the course of a you know 35-ish, 40-game season, they were a nine seed. And all of a sudden, they win three – Three, four games, and now they're seen as the eight, you know top ten team. I, I just, I just don't see it. To be honest with you, I got them at eighteen. I think people are, um, I think they're being definitely overhyped. To be honest with you, um, they're basically a nine seed last year. Um, that if Memphis doesn't throw the ball away, I mean if Memphis doesn't throw the ball away with fifteen seconds left, they just hang on to the ball. They don't turn over. And Memphis wins that game. FAU is probably not a top 25 team this season. So do not overrank teams based off what they did in just three or four games. Ask North Carolina. They went to the National Championship game. They're ranked number one in the country last year, which was, you know, by basically everyone, um, and they don't make the tournament. So don't don't go crazy because of a few games in March Mass. Uh, March is the greatest tournament ever, but if you get hot, you do well. You know, 
part of it, like I said, is just getting hot in March. So moving on, number 19, got Villanova. Big time, big season for Kyle Neptune. Um, Villanova, Justin Moore, TJ um, Bomba. Um, you got Hart, you got Burton, you got Dixon. Uh, pretty good team. Um, I like Dixon a lot. I like Justin Moore a ton. Um, got them sliding at number 19. You might can make, rank them a little bit higher, to be honest with you. I think really good season Villanova's coming up. Got San Diego State at 20. That's another one of those teams. That a lot of people have them ranked way higher. Um, I just don't. Um, they lost a lot of key pieces. They got hot in March. Credit to them. Now, their run was probably a little bit better than FAU. To be honest with you, they beat FAU in the Final Four. But, again, they got hot in March. They lose a lot of key guys. Don't overrank a team just based off what they did three or four games in March. That should play a big factor, um, a big part, but not all of it. So I got San Diego State at 20. St. Mary's, they got 21. Aiden Mahaney, I mean, that guy, you know, one of the best players in college basketball could be this season. I got them at 21. At USC at 22. Isaiah Collier is my number one freshman for this season. I think he will be the best freshman in college basketball. Two-way point guard, can defend. Um, offensively super gifted as well. Uh, I think Collier will be the best freshman in college basketball. You got Boogie Ellis, really good um, backcourt mate. Um, has a ton of experience. Seems like he's been around for – I remember all the way back when he committed to Duke, decommitted, played at Memphis. I mean, he's been playing college basketball for, for a very long time. Bronny James, um, how healthy is he? I think he'll play. Um, but, um, you know, a little unknowns with him, but I think Brian James will be very good. You got Kobe Johnson, you got Rob Man. That's a really good lineup, to be honest. 22. Um, I think they're safe for the top 25 team. I got them at number 22. I actually got Alabama at number 23, getting Mark Sears back. I think Alabama lost a lot of guys. They weren't expecting um, to leave, like, you know, Betty Ocko and John Quinterly leaves, transfers out. So they, they, they had a tough break, I think. But they, but Nate Oates did such a good job in picking up guys to replace them. You get Mark Sears back. You got Grant, um, Grant Nelson. You got Nick Pringle. You got Aaron Estrada. I mean, that's, that's a really good kind of, you know, four guys right there, I think. So, I mean, you know, that's a really good um, – you got Wright Shell. I mean, that's a, you know, they picked up some picked up some good pieces – I think Aaron Stroud would be really good. I really like Mark Sears. I like Grant Nelson. Grant Nelson versus Dalton Kinnett will be super fun. Um, but, yeah, I got Bama at number 22. Number 23, um, excuse me, Bama was number 23. Number 24 will shock a lot of people. They're kind of a breakout team for me. That's Colorado. You bring in a couple of five stars, get a couple of good guys to return. Everyone's talking about Deion Sanders and Colorado and football, but they're going to be really good. Um, on the hardwood this season. I got them at 24. Cody Williams, big time, going to be a big time player. Tristan Da Silva, really good. KJ Simpson, those are just three guys that stand out to me, but really good Colorado. I mean, they could be really, really good this season. Um, super high ceiling. I got Illinois at 25 to round it out. Terrence Shannon, Coleman Hawkins, Luke Goody. Um, got, you know, got the Marcus um, guys, a transfer, uh, really good shooter. Um, so he stood out to me in that Kansas game, exhibition game. Um, so, yeah, Terrence Shannon is going to be really, really good. Um, really established. He's an established, known, really good player. Um, Illinois would be really, really good. So that's my top 25 right there. Um, I kind of think I think pretty much went through every single team, went into pretty good details. Um, I don't think there's a great team in college basketball. I don't think there's a team that just stands out as a spectacular team, but I think there's a bunch of really, really good teams. I don't think Duke is phenomenal, but I do think they have slightly the best roster um, in college basketball. So went through my top 25, kind of kind of just explained why I have each team where they're at. Um, another thing I'll mention before I talk about some coaches, but one thing I will mention, I talked about – Champions Classic, talked about November the um, 10th. I forgot to mention, Maui Invitational is going to be loaded this season. I mean, you're talking about some loaded games in the Maui Invitational. I mean, Maui Invitational is like a very small taste of March Madness for me. I love it. Games all day long. Some really good memories um, when it comes to that. you got Tennessee, Syracuse, Purdue, Gonzaga, Kansas, Rashomon, that first game at UCLA versus Marquette rounding it out. I mean, that is a really good – I mean, you got Purdue, you got Purdue, Zach Eady, you got Kansas, Hunter Dickinson, you got Gonzaga, you got Tennessee, who's only a top 10 team, you got Marquette, top 10 team, top 10 team, 
Um, the best point guard in the country, Tyler Kolick. Mick Cronin's always going to have his teams playing hard. Uh, UCLA should be still pretty good. Syracuse will actually be better. I mean, so, Mount Invitational's loaded. Battle for Atlantis is pretty good. Uh, that's on November 22nd. UConn and Kansas play on December 1st. I mean, you got so many good games. I could go on and on about that, to be honest, all the good matchups you got um, early on. Um, kind of close out, one thing I want to talk about is I hear it every offseason, um, you hear coaches on hot seat, you know, what, you know, best coaches, all this. I think it's really tough to rank college basketball coaches. I, you know, I, you know, it can – the tide can change so quickly. It's crazy. Uh, Bill Self is number one for me. Two national championships. Um, his ability to – it's not just a national championship, but his ability to adjust. Um, you look at – go all the way back to 2012, it stands out to me. They're playing Carolina. He plays like a triangle and two in that game. Kendall Marshall got beat uh, – got injured in the round of 32 for Carolina. Um, this is 2012 lead eight. He, he made some really good adjustments, I think, in that game. Um you know, he knew that Kendall Marshall's out. He put all of his, um, you know, made sure to stop Harrison Barnes, Zeller, Henson. I thought, you know, his ability to change up the defense. You know, you look at um, – he, he's the top guy. He will make any adjustment any time. I really like that. National changed the game two years ago. Um, they're getting beat by 15. He, they're getting beat by, like, 15 and a half. He makes every single adjustment in the second half. Um, David McCormick wasn't getting the ball enough. He knew, he knew Baycott was injured. Um, so what they do, they feed Dave McCormick um, to start the second half and um, really exerted their presence down low. Uh, we see a lot of coaches don't make those type of adjustments. I think his ability to make adjustments, his ability to win in different ways. You know, he's won it big, he's won it small. They won the national championship with basically four wings. Um, KJ Adams is a tweener between four and five. They had Grady Dick, I mean, excuse me, Christian Brown. Ochi Abaji, Jalen Wilson, Dewan Harris. Um, won the national championship, won McDonald's All-American. So um, last year they he won. He, they had a really good season last year with KJ Adams at the five. So his ability to adjust, um, his ability to win in multiple ways. I you know I probably rank Tom Izzo at number two. A lot of people take heat, uh, give me heat for that. But Izzo's ability to get the most out of his players are unreal. I mean, look at some of the Final Fours he's had. Twenty fifteen. Look at that Final Four team in twenty fifteen. That team was not a Final Four team. He he took the Final Four. Look at the Final Four. Look at the look when they got smoked by North Carolina in the national championship game. Um, it would have been 0-9. I mean, that was a not a national championship caliber team. His ability to get the most out of players, most out of teams, is just he, he's the best at that. He does the best with, with less. Um, Tom Izzo, been to a gazillion Final Fours, won a national championship. He's still an elite-level coach. Um, and they'll be they'll have a really good season this year. I've, those two guys kind of stand out to me as one and two, to be honest. Um, you could throw in a hundred different names though up there. That's that's the crazy thing about coaching. John Calipari is taking a lot of heat right now. He could easily have three or four national championships if Derrick Rose just does what he says and fouls Mario Chalmers. He has one there. You know, if they get the, if Kentucky gets the shot caught violation call against Wisconsin, he has two there, uh, two more there. That's three right there. I mean, he's been the Final Four, you know, four times at Kentucky. I mean, he could easily have, if the ball goes one way or the other, he could easily have three, four national championships. And all of a sudden, he's one of the greatest coaches ever. So it can change quickly. If if Kentucky can win national championship next next couple of years, all of a sudden, Kyle Perry's great again. Um, so it's crazy how it, it can change quickly. Um, you know, if Bill Self doesn't get that last title. If North Carolina, if, if Baycott's healthy, to be honest, or if North Carolina don't blow that big lead, where's Bill Self at? You know, Bill Self could easily have zero national championships, for being honest. Uh, um, got lucky being, you know, Mario Chalmers makes that crazy shot. You know, has the 15-plus, you know, comeback at halftime versus Carolina. I think is I think Bill Self's the best coach in college basketball, but he could have zero national championships, theoretically. So a lot of things can, you know, a lot of things can flip. Um you know, there there's so many great coaches in college basketball. I think it's it, it's basically impossible. I think ranking college basketball coaches, it, it's honestly almost silly. I mean, there there's you, there are so many great college coaches, and it can change so quickly. Um, like I just talked about, you can't just look at national championships. Um, you know, to 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 rank, I think Chris, I think Tony Bennett. There's a bunch of coaches no national championship that I think is better known. To be honest with you.
I mean, so you can't just lean out of change. You got to look at adjustments. You got to look at what they do with talent. You got to look at can they win in multiple ways. I think there's so many different things to look at um, when it comes to coaches. Um, so, yeah, I went over, um, you know, talked about Kentucky um, a bunch, talked about some big-time matchups, did my preseason top 25, kind of went through um, my team and, and my explanation of, as to why teams ranked, went through All-American breakout guys, went through kind of talking about coaching and how, you know, how, what you know how you should rank coaches and stuff like that. So got through a lot, um, a lot of preview um, for the season. Um, super excited about the season, like I said. A lot of great players, uh, a lot of just really good teams. Not any, not any special teams, but a lot of really good teams. So it should have a lot of parity. Um, if you have any questions, if you have any feedback, I would greatly appreciate it. Um, so I cannot wait uh, for these games to start happening. Um, next episode should be after the Champions Classic that week. Um, then we'll go weekly. Uh, we'll preview games, recap games. Um, like I said, you have a question or whatever, I'll implement that more into the episodes as, as I um, continue to, you know, as this um, podcast continues to grow. So um, looking forward to it. A lot to talk about coming up. Um, super excited. Um, episode one is um, now complete. And thank y'all.